0: me romance read read me romance read me romance read read me romance you could take a look in a book that's fine or you could sit back relax and unwind and read me romance read read me romance give us your ears and we'll give you a look into the minds of writers we admire and a treasure trove of anecdotes wisdom and fun welcome to virtual book tour podcast hosted by Book of the Month editorial director Brianna Goodman and editorial associate Jared McFarlane. Virtual Book Tour podcast is a series of conversations with Book of the Month authors that cover everything you can imagine. Recorded in front of a live audience, this series is a fresh way to get to know your Book of the Month authors. Listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts today and get over 60 interviews with some of today's best writers. That's a virtual book tour. Subscribe now. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, lady listeners. Welcome to a brand new week at Read Me Romance. We have with us Gia Bailey. She has brought us a brand new book called Owned by the Beast. And this cover is so cute. It's
1: adorable. Like, it's
0: adorable. This, it looked like something that I could see you doing on the cover of this because she's so cute mm-hmm. and she she's like having her coffee or whatever. Like, it's adorable, it's but adorable. like we were just talking about this all her covers are so pretty like very feminine like love it her whole thing on there I was like god she's got this huge backlist like this is great I'm excited to have her on the podcast we get to get a little sample of her with this they look like my
1: style of reads that I yeah
0: yeah for sure I keep thinking um you you mentioned um Emma Bray like it remind kind of reminded Mm -hmm. you a little bit of that I was thinking, um, there was somebody who was the book that you loved so much about like the husband and wife. Maybe she has amnesia or something and he lets her like go back to work, but he comes in and like Ella calls Fox. Her. Was that Ella Fox? Was that the book? hmm Where she – okay. Well, that, they weren't it, married yet. They were they had been engaged. And oh, she kept throwing okay. the
1: ring away and it kept fuck f- coming back. <laughs> and like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit too. I was like, okay. Like, that's the vibe I'm getting from it. And even on like her Amazon page, the recommended reads with it, like the recommended authors, there was a ton of authors on there that you read. I was like, oh, this is this is great. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, our audio right now, like, well, last week um, was Carla Doyle. And it was so dirty. Like, it was dirty, like, right away. I was listening to it. And I started getting to the book, and I was like, damn, she is nasty. So if you missed last week's, go back and check it out. (laughs) And the week before was Ophelia Martinez, and I adore her books. They're so good. And Ophelia has, like, this great way of writing, like, um, dirty talk where it's just, it's so hot. She's got great dirty talk on her books. So that was in like, I'm just loving the podcast this year. Like all the books that we've had on it have been awesome. And there's just been some, like the past few, I'm like, yes, the narrator's great. The story's great. Like I love when it hits all the, all the marks. So I'm excited for this week with Gia Bailey too. So. We'll get yeah, into that in has a little to bit. Up to that. I know, right?
1: <laughs> Good, luck. <laughs> Good luck. You better. <laughs>
0: all right. I want to start off just right off the bat. I watched Jury Duty.
1: Oh my God!
0: So you watched the final two
1: and everything? Yes.
0: Oh, we like we didn't start it until they were already out. Friday. I think we yeah a Saturday we watched it. Saturday or Sunday we watched, and it, we got to watch all of them, so we didn't have to wait. But it was so good. I love, I love it. It was such a good show. It's on Amazon Prime. Mel talked about it last week where it's like, it's it's kind of like a situation where everybody on the show is an actor except one person. And the one person thinks that this is all real. It's kind of like punked a little bit. Yeah, but they're not mean. No, no, no. Like, And what was so great is I kept wondering how are they going to end this? And so this is a spoiler. If you haven't watched it, I'm going to talk about how it ends. But I really like it. If you, if it's, it's all over TikTok, the spoiler. Oh, ending. yeah, for sure. Everybody does the reveal. Yeah. I've seen it, it five million well, times. It's so sweet, too, because it's like when they finally do it, they get the guy that isn't an actor. He's the one that thinks it's all real. They get him up on the stand and the judge is telling him, he was like, you know, we, put, we, we specifically put this person there. You know in this room beside you, someone that was different and unusual and might scare people. And instead we, we had we compassion. Did it yeah. And yeah. He ended up showing him the movie with a yeah. Bugs Life, I which I was like, I cried. I was like, this is just so sweet. And when he and then so he shows this
1: guy this movie Bugs Life because he's different and he likes his experiments. Uh-huh. And he tries this ridiculous experiments the next day and it fails. And even the next day you catch him lean over to him and say, mm-hmm. You can't win them all.
0: Yeah. It's like, just try again. like what
1: how did they find such They a said they went four thousand applications? No. or he was picked out of four thousand people. How? How did well, they pick him? Mm.
0: Like I wonder what criteria I, bet, was. I I mean
1: there I'm sure this is the people from the office and there was a mm-hmm. couple other places that they had a panel of um psychologists. I mean yeah, who I would think do so, this, yeah. Who are, um like, criminal minds-ish
0: people. Like, like actually pick jurors and stuff, yeah. maybe, yeah. yeah.
1: I think that they had somebody go through, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What part? this is the personality face, it's probably going to work best for this, because mm-hmm. James even went into this, the main actor, mm-hmm. saying he wasn't going to go in and make fun of somebody or yeah. Yeah. humiliate somebody. He said, mm-hmm. I will make a bigger ass of myself if I have to, mm-hmm. but we're never going to humiliate him. Yeah. It's just going to be fun.
0: I but, liked it because it was really based on his reaction. You know, like, so to all the crazy stuff.
1: Is it's all improv. And so these mm-hmm. people have to act constantly they even act when he's like not looking at them or not right there in the room they Mm -hmm. keep going they don't break character yeah yeah do guys even
0: throw it up i'm like how is he throwing up? i don't know oh my god some of it was so interesting too and i loved seeing behind the scenes stuff and when they took him back there and showed around it was just it was so cool they said that James, that James was
1: talking, I watched an interview on James Mm -hmm. that sometimes something would be so ridiculous that he would start to like make these faces. So then he's like, then we'd have to do like seven hours of real jury stuff and make the lawyers talk. So it would be so boring. And then he would get back to, okay, this is a case. Oh my God. So he was oh. like, it would be so boring. We all have to sit there for hours and oh just listen God. to this fake case. That's what
0: he was saying. It was like 30 hours they were in, they had to listen to these lawyers go on for 30 hours. And I was like, they actually made them go through, it. but I guess you'd have to in order for the guy to believe it, to believe yeah. he's actually watching a trial. So. Yeah. I think one of my
1: favorite moments, though, because if you haven't watched, if you anybody's watched it, you guys should go watch some of James's interviews. They're great. He's even done one with Ronald, but mm-hmm. he talks about the moment he did the cake thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I seen Ronald out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, oh fuck.
0: He like was upset. Ronald, Ronald was. was like, yeah, mad. Uh, he was and so mad and like a mad, like
1: aggressive. Yeah, he was just yeah. disappointed. He's mm-hmm. like, I can't believe another human being would act that way. Yeah. How can you be
0: so rude? I saw James Marsden was like, it felt like I kicked a puppy. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that's what it looked like. Like, you really, like, hurt his feelings. Mm -hmm. It was so sweet. (laughs) And he wasn't even mad for himself. He was mad Uh for somebody else. He's like, he was Mm -hmm. mad. It wasn't his party. Yeah. It was somebody he was just couldn't believe that he did that. But I love that James went up and apologized to him and like replaced the cake. And Ronald was like, yeah, it was good. You did that. I mean, and he was like trying to talk to him. Like, you know, everybody loses their cool sometimes. And it's like, Oh my God, this guy is like the sweetest. I was like, if he's not, if he's not wiped up yet, buddy, you better he, bar your door. He's got a
1: cute girlfriend. I've seen one picture Aww, of her. That's but great. Um, I think the, they got the best line and they use it for the promo is mm-hmm. when the black guy says something about justice and he goes, and Ronald turns to him and looks at him and he goes, we'll be served. And then they <laughs> run into this, like, first uh, trap of, you know how, because James is... Or, um, Ronald's always trying not to keep his face straight. He's uh-huh. supposed to not have expressions in jury, yeah. But he yeah. always has like these smirks and his eyes get big, and these so little cute. adorable expressions. And know, he's like he's six so six.
0: Oh my god, I know, did you right? see
1: he's when he huge. was that the officer came into the room and he put his hand like on the door and he was like as tall as the fucking door? <laughs> yep. I'm like, you know, how we talk about men put the hand behind the car mm-hmm. rest and the top yeah, and the back up the car. That was when he put his hand on top of that door like that. I was mm-hmm. like.
0: Mm-hmm. god ronald i know right uh you know speaking of tall we started watching um succession have you seen that it's like i've, heard, of it I've heard a lot about it. i've never watched it it's been out for a few years they just finished season four and it's the final season they're not doing anymore so we started it last week the episodes are really long they're on hbo they're like an hour each so we can only watch like one or two a night before i'm like i'm dead asleep yeah. you know so, um, so, anyways, but I, it made me think of it because um, one of the actors on there, I was like, um, if you've seen the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, it's the guy that plays Mr. Darcy, the one that does like the hand flex, like, you know, that's kind of known for that. He's really tall and I'm watching the show and there's this kid, this young kid that's like in it. I say kid, he's probably in his like mid twenties, but he like towers over him. And I'm like, wait a second, Mr. Darcy's like six, two, six, three. How tall is this kid? Fucking six, seven. I don't know who this guy is, but he's like this, he plays like this young, like awkward, kind of like cousin. And mm-hmm. he's fucking six. I was like, okay, all right. How, how old is he again? <laughs> so speaking of tall people, I
1: was at, I was at a really nice hotel when I went to New York, like a new one. And it's like, I could tell that they've made it like exclusive. So like when you walked into the building, because you know mm-hmm. New York buildings, you can go in from all sides. The mm-hmm. hotel side, you walked in to like this empty area, and then you had to go up the elevator. Like okay. 25 floors, I think. Oh, and shit. then you got off and then you were in the reception area. Where and where were the other in. floors? And then after you checked in, you went to another bank of elevators. And that's how you could get up to the hotel bar and all of the rooms. Oh, so the so rooms were up or down? Up more. So what was down then? So I have no idea what was down there. There was a Starbucks right. on the corner. So that probably took a part of it. Office yeah. buildings. But like, yeah, the hotel was only like rooms 25 through like 40 or something. Oh. So you had to go in and up. Mm-hmm. And then again, yeah. you'd have to pass reception, put a mm-hmm. key in to go up to any of the hotel, anything that yeah. belonged to the hotel. Uh-huh. I didn't realize how... I guess it's kind of cut off and maybe because they do host famous people or something. Yeah. I go down cause I'm meeting my friend. Like we just joked in we're like, let's be down on the bar. I'm not even paying attention. I like hit the button for the bar and I'm just like playing on my phone. The elevator dings. I just kind of see it open. I like step off and I like, boom, almost run into somebody. And then I like drop my head out back and I'm like gaping at like seven men. I just walked in the middle of their circle. They're talking in front of the elevator, <laughs> and they are all like seven foot fucking tall, <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I gazing at them. They're looking at me like, "Why are you standing here?" And I just like scurry over to the bar and I sit down. Then my friend comes down, and my friend recognizes one of the black men walks by, and he gets on the other elevator. And he locks eyes with him. He's like, oh, I just locked eyes with – I can't even remember who he said. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, my God, there's the Knicks coach. Just sit down at the lounge. And I was like, oh, that was the Knicks I ran into? You said
0: they were basketball, right? The yeah, Knicks. the Knicks basketball oh, okay. players. So I
1: thought – they probably thought basketball. I was gaping at them like, oh, my God, it's the Knicks. And you're, you're like, Knicks. no, you're
0: just uh, – are just like romance
1: heroes? Huh? <laughs> are you guys supposed to be blue? <laughs>
0: that's pretty yeah. good I, like that. that's, I, was like, I was like what the hell is going on so was the was it a bunch of them or just like a few players i i kept seeing tall people all day and oh, the next few I wonder, days i just wonder, like if the knicks play in new york that's weird that maybe they had to stay at a hotel or something maybe they were like required the
1: other team was there too i can't remember who they played oh because i rec i saw one of the white guys was really cute and <laughs> i made my friend pull up the other team and i was like it was him he was like really i was like yeah mm-hmm.
0: i don't know i don't know anything about basketball i'm so, it just like i don't know i don't know it,
1: anything basketball nothing no
0: i just was a sport i never got into i played it for one year and i was terrible and i was like we're just not gonna do this again see
1: basketball is too fast for me I think that's
0: and it. So the scoring too fast. and
1: baseball are too, and hockey are too slow
0: hundred uh, percent. Like to yeah.
1: score and mm-hmm. all of that.
0: So I yeah. stick with football. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle. Got it. <laughs> you know what though? Speaking of you being on elevators, I actually thought about you last night. It was my husband and I, we had our 14 year anniversary. And so we were super low key about it. I actually cooked dinner at home and um we're like let's just go to the movie theaters so that's like 0.3 miles from our house mm-hmm. we're like let's just go to the movie theater we'll watch a movie and come back in time to put the kids to bed we didn't even get a sitter we're like they'll be fine for two yeah. hours so we left and um we're like you know we'll be back in a little bit we'll watch a movie so we watch this new movie it's called ron ron renfeld i think is the name of it renfeld and um It's about, like, vampires and stuff, but it's, like, a dark comedy. Anyways, Nicolas Cage is in it, and I thought about you last night when we were in it, because I remember that time you saw him in the elevator, and he was, like, so freaking weird. He wasn't
1: weird, per se. He was just, like, well, I didn't realize it until I realized everybody stepping off was gaping at the person I stepped on with. Mm -hmm. And I, like, glanced over, and it was clear that... Yeah, he didn't want to look at me. Like, he wouldn't turn his face towards me. I was like, mm-hmm. he doesn't want me to acknowledge
0: him, which I'm like, I'm not going to acknowledge you anyways. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that would be the last thing I'd do. <laughs> don't worry. I will
1: just tell everybody later I just saw Nicholas Cage. I'm not going to be like, hi,
0: Nick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i like, it's okay. We don't have to be friends. <laughs> but I thought about you last night when you got on the elevator with him and he was, like, in the corner, like, turning away. Like, don't look at me. <laughs>
1: Don't but he was conversation. Actually, yeah
0: he was actually really good in this movie though mm-hmm. like the movie itself was pretty good i mean we laughed it was funny and you know it was kind of gross too because i don't dark, think he was a dick i just think no he no he was i just like, think he i was, don't was don't... sort of like he, uh,
1: i'm sure it happens to him all the time
0: yeah that's what i was gonna say like i, I could especially see in vegas with it. tourists i bet Shit, in la okay. people we leave him alone Mm-hmm. but in
1: vegas there's so many tourists coming mm-hmm. in and out he probably thought oh god i'm alone in an elevator with this girl
0: well and we were in the we were in a, like a yeah a busy hotel so it was like you know it wasn't like it was a uh it was on the strip like i mean it was you know typical vegas mm-hmm. but um palms is the only one that sets off
1: is it off the, Is it, it off sets the right off but it's got really nice exclusive rooms and stuff with the pools that come out but it just sets yeah. a little bit back I mean you could make the walk up to the strip it's a little bit but it's not like right on the strip like Caesars and Bellagio and stuff know.
0: we stayed there but like I have no memory of how far it was from the strip I don't know but um but yeah I mean he was I could see it but he's also a little bit eccentric too mm-hmm. so I could see him like you know being a little different awkward yeah a little awkward but um yeah he was you know he was so great in the movie and i saw recently that he did like a homes tour or something like that and his home is like really like gothic and odd and stuff and somebody was telling me there's like this full size dragon inside and i was like that that tracks (laughs) that all tracks yeah so but yeah i thought about you last night when we saw it and i was like oh (laughs) like was in the same elevator but whatever um hold on you said uh made a note because you said you got in a fight i want to know about this i got in a
1: fight because i never like am confrontational Mm -hmm. so the whole point of going to new york it was my husband's birthday so we went to atlantic city which i lost my voice i think from the smoking not me smoking, being around smoke. I was about to say. No, I think, <laughs> I remember I was sick a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. I think I relapsed. Like, I got better for a week. And when I went to Atlantic, I think it relapsed me because the cold mm-hmm. came back and I'm coughing and my voice yeah. is still messed up. But yeah, so we get to New York. We drive up to New York after because they want to go to a bunch of restaurants. And my friend has been dying for us to take us to a Yankees game, even though we're not Yankees fans. Because I guess there's this new Legends suite, which was really awesome. like What's you go that? In- what
0: is it? It's like a like one of this light box seats or something? No, it's like an
1: area. So you go and they have the suites, but then they've made this new Legends suite. You go in and when you first walk in, you're supposed to get there a little early. It's like a full course. They set you down on a table to ask you what you want to drink. And then you get up to go to this buffet. And this buffet is like already got wedge salads made, crab legs, prime rim. Holy shit. Everything. Cheeseburger. But then like it's got the fancy stuff, but you go to the floor down and mm-hmm. it's got like the hot dogs, nachos, all the oh my God. baseball stuff. And then you can, and there's bars all around. And then you can walk out and you said there's an area of seats that are like cushion yeah. for all this area. And they'll come out and serve you there too holy shit so, so it's yeah. like they
0: they wait on you like you, uh like you're at a restaurant yeah oh, it was nice. like and
1: the food was amazing it was fun i had a great time so how do you get seats
0: to this like how do you get tickets to something like this
1: i'm not sure i know she'd done it before and she kept talking about it but i know when she realized we were going to
0: come out to
1: um, atlantic city and then go to new york she jumped mm-hmm. online like baseball hadn't even started yet
0: Oh, wow. Dropped okay.
1: online, and she's like, I got to get these tickets. I'm going to see if I can find a game if we're going to be in town so I can hurry up and get them. Yeah. So she booked them a long time ago.
0: I was going to say, like, Yankees tickets in general are, are, like, impossible to get, right? And then, like, the, but, um, I would imagine that those would be tough. So that's awesome that you got them, though. So, no, but it, I mean, it wasn't, like, super.
1: There was probably, like, a hundred of us, I think. Mm-hmm. There was a big chunk of people in the suite.
0: Oh, okay, all right. I wasn't sure how big it no, was. No, yeah, like but...
1: upstairs was big, the huge buffet, mm-hmm. and then downstairs, all these desserts, everything. I mean, it was oh crazy. I was like, "What's awesome. going on?" And then bars everywhere. Even the soda tasted better.
0: Like <laughs> when it you go to Mexico.
1: <laughs> like I think they put extra, you know, a oh, McDonald's that's like stuff. The real
0: sugar. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they had a
1: different. You could Rob, I was like, Rob, taste my Coke, because he never drinks Coke. And he's Uh like, holy shit, that's good. I was like, I know. I know, right? (laughs) So they're they're getting stuff, food or whatever. And I'm like, I'll go up to the bar and get some drinks for everybody. And I go up to the bar, and I'm just standing there waiting, because they're still getting some of the stuff. Like, they'd ordered some stuff you had to order. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm talking to this lady, this black lady behind serving bars. We're just talking, (laughs) chit-chatting. And this guy walks up, and he's like, can you guys stop chit-chatting? Or can you stop chit-chatting? Because I want my drink. And I turned to him. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. Quit chit-chatting. I want my fucking drink. And I said, excuse me, sir. She may not be able to tell you this, but fuck you. You're an asshole. And then he... Cool. I know I was because like, she can't say it. I was like, she yeah. can't say it, but yeah, I can. Yeah, for sure. And he burst into laughter, and he goes, "I'm just fucking with you. We know each other." Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm like, you're gonna get shot. <laughs> oh but he god. was like, "I love." That was the best reaction somebody's ever gave
0: me. That's <laughs> he gave amazing. me like a high five. He really? Oh my god! And then That's I really- <laughs> And then I realized he was at the end of my row
1: and I didn't realize it until he started yelling at one of the security guards. Wait, he was on the same row as you? Mm -hmm. Like at the very end, I was at the other end. He was at the other end. Like when I went to sit down, I noticed him because he started yelling at one of the security people, which I thought was kind of inappropriate. He had his phone here Mm -hmm. and I think in his hat, because they were doing some kind of like stand up for a vet or something. Oh, okay. But we have... He's security. We have no idea because he's got his phone in his hat and he's looking down at it mm-hmm. and not paying attention to the song or anything. Yeah. Something could be going on.
0: Yeah. We're yeah. we
1: know. And he's like, get off your fucking phone. Oh, <laughs> I shit. Was like, and I was like, I thought he was going to get kicked out because Dan told me not to curse. And I would accidentally curse all the time. He's like, you can't, you got to be a little bit more respectful here with your words. Oh, and my god. And I gosh. was like, okay, okay, okay. 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 And then he's at the end screaming, get off your fucking phone. And then the there? guy, the security guy came up and I don't know what happened, but I seen him. I went to the bathroom. He was standing at the end of the wall and I was like, what are you doing? Are you going to get kicked out of here? He's like,
0: no, they're not taking me nowhere. I was like, <laughs> oh shit. I died of laughter. So he didn't work there. He just like goes there all the time. I think he just goes there all oh, the time. Oh, okay. And all we're right.
1: in the Legends suite. So I'm guessing maybe he probably had season tickets yeah, in the Legends. Yeah, maybe he
0: knows But somebody. he looked like
1: a total normal, like my dad guy. And, khaki's and you said, fuck white you, shirt. you're an asshole. <laughs> I mean, he's talking to a woman like that. The two women are talking to each oh. other and he, she can't say anything.
0: Uh, no, uh-uh.
1: And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> but what did she dip- do? What did she, she do when he said that? Uh, she oh, was just, okay. just shaking her head at him at first. Okay. And that's why I was like, because I was looking back and forth at first. Mm-hmm. But I think my friend gave me encouragement because he got in a fight in at Atlantis. At, what? um at the whatever that hotel is we stay in in Lenox the borgata State. the borgata okay barely there 10 minutes they go down there's like this lobby area grocery store mm-hmm. it's open all the time it's really nice you get sandwiches and stuff go downstairs and some guy is staying in there um getting his stuff and he's talking to this older black lady she's he's probably like a buck 10 yeah and wait like she's small. <laughs> And he's like degrading her. He's like, can you hurry up? What I bet. And, he, and my friend was like, his tone was so calm. She's like, that's what was so weird is he was like, I bet you wish you had money like this. Don't you working on minimum wage? And he pulls out this huge thing of money. Holy shit. And of course, um, Dan is standing there, her husband or boyfriend mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's like, what the fuck did you just say, motherfucker? Oh, my God. And they were, like, in each other's faces. She had to get between them. And I guess the lady hit the – I guess there's panic buttons. Yeah. Hit the panic button. What? At the yeah. casino?
0: Holy yeah. Yeah, shit. Yeah, so she
1: hit the panic button or whatever, but they had gone up and left. But mm-hmm. then we ran back into her. And she, like, runs over to him and gives him a hug.
0: And oh, she's like, oh, it's nice. my guardian angel. That was so nice, though. So, like, I've had to say something because, like – what, what makes people think that they can talk to people like that? So, I think maybe having experienced mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. then being next to
1: it, like, two days later,
0: yeah. I was like...
1: Just okay. hyper
0: aware of Yeah. You. Like, yeah. I was like,
1: you're not going to talk to... I- she can't be mean to you, but I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You had an exciting trip.
1: I did. It was weird. It was oddly weird. Like, one night even I got lost in the casino for... I sat down on a slot machine and oh I God. i didn't even end up gambling. A girl sits down next to me and she says something and I can't, I have music in my headphones because mm-hmm. casinos are loud. Yeah. I'm just by myself. My friend went up to a room. My mm-hmm. husband hasn't got back from his friends. And I was just kind of waiting for him chilling, mm-hmm. playing Wheel of Fortune. And I leaned her, I said, I have music in my hearing aids or whatever. And I don't know how we went from bop, bump, bump to Vanderpump rules. What? <laughs> So you were all And we both like looked at each scene. other and we were like, You know all about the Vanderpump scandal? And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, y-? I'm like, you do? She's like, yeah. She's like, I don't know anybody that does. I go, me neither. And then we talked for like three hours. Are you serious? Yes. It was four o'clock when my husband got back and he came and found me. He's like, I knew you were gonna be at Willow of
0: Fortune. <laughs> That was the one, the slot machine, the Wheel of Fortune. That's the one that I would pull and I'd go, because it'd go wheel up, and oh, then it'd be something, and, and I'd go, fuck. <laughs> it was like, it would land on the wrong thing. It would go wheel of, fuck. <laughs> Every single
1: time it would mess up. But I was like, how weird is it that I made a friend for three hours? Oh
0: my God. Did you get her name and number? I think we followed each other on Instagram. Oh, my God. I love that. So she knew all about Vanderpump. And so you talked to her for three hours about this. We just went down a Bravo hole. I love it. That's so
1: fun. It was weird. And (laughs) I
0: I did not have no voice the next morning. Oh, my God. So where is she from? Do you know? She was from, like, a little bit from there. She said her and her fiance were staying there for just a fun weekend. Oh, okay. Okay. And he was sleeping already. That is wild, and you were at wheel of fuck. (laughs) That's awesome. But I did
1: think that, too. By the time we were done and we got back, I was like, God, I had a lot of interesting things happen. You did.
0: You had a bunch of good stuff. Because
1: one time – actually, another time, everybody was freaking gone because one couple left. My husband went with the other one because they wanted to go – His friends wanted to go smoke pot, which is legal there. Yeah. So they went out to the car and I said, I'm not going out of the car. I can not even talk. I'm not around smoke anymore. Yeah. I thought I was about to meet a rapper. I was so excited. I'm walking down the road, the small arrow Mm -hmm. in the casino. And I see like 15 cops coming towards me. And then there's like another 30 behind this black guy. He's got his chin up. He's got sunglasses on and he's walking and all these cops are around him. And I look at him like, who is this? who was that and i step aside and then when he passes me he's got cuffs on
0: oh shit (laughs) i'd still want to know that story And
1: i'm like how does a motherfucker have 60 cops around him and his sunglasses still on
0: (laughs) and he's cuffed right it's a cover-up it's a cover it's the ocean's 12 happening Ocean's (laughs) Ocean's Fifteen. <laughs> it's going down. I was like,
1: "Oh shit, He's in cuffs!" <laughs> but dude, um, he was walking through that place like a fucking baller, like didn't have a care in the world. Like that's what I was. With I was me? thinking
0: you were gonna tell me it was like a fighter or somebody, you no. know, like like somebody that was at a casino for a fight night.
1: He was arrested. <laughs>
0: That's amazing.
1: But Rob comes <laughs> back and he goes, where are you? I said, like, did you see all those cop cars? Because they were, like, right outside. I was like,
2: yeah. I'm there. He's
1: like, no, you're not. I was like, I really am. I'm trying to see what's
0: going on. <laughs> like, I'm nosy as fuck.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I'll ask you earlier, and I didn't know if you had a chance. You were telling me um, what you've been reading lately. I did want to mention, I'm still listening to What the Hex. I love it. It's by Jessica Clare. It's so... Cozy and wonderful, and I don't want to rush it, so I only allow yeah. myself like 30 minutes a day of listening because I don't want to, I don't want it to end. Yeah, so, anyways, I went I at
1: some free times. I, I just went down, I feel like I have to say the same shit every week. Mm-hmm. I did uh, Matilda, how do you say her last name? I can't, Matilda Martell her. Martell I was covered up with a check. I had read like three of her books.
0: Uh huh. I oh, don't think we've does... talked about that before, though. Have
1: you? No, she does the quarterback books. The oh no, no, no,
0: you're talking about Myra Statham. Oh, different one. Let me make sure. Because one time, one time, I read an author book and I got really mad. And I was
1: like, I can't believe she fucking did that. And then I reread the name on the cover and I was like, oh, that's not her. <laughs> I was like, no wonder this hero is terrible.
0: I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> That sounds like exactly something you do, though. That's what I just
1: did. You you're right, (laughs) Matilda.
0: Okay, so you've been reading Matilda Martell or Myra Statham? Matilda. Matilda Martell. So which book did you read by her?
1: I read um, one called Orphan, another called Gilded Cage. She does a lot of, like, um, huge age gaps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. And Mm -hmm. they're just... They were really sweet and fluffy and easy, but I kept reading to them. So I would stop paying attention. So I went and I pulled up like books I'd already read yeah. to read whenever I was just hanging around because I would stop like I don't know. Like talking to everybody. I would start reading in a cab or something. Oh, yeah, Why everybody's yeah, like, yeah. I start I'll just get lost in the book and not even paying attention while everybody's like talking at the table or whatever.
0: Yeah, well that makes sense. <laughs> That's why I remember one time, I think we're in Vegas, wasn't it? When you were in line reading mm-hmm. and that woman like got, got like mad. so got so pissed off. We were standing in line for cabs and it wasn't even like our turn yet. Like it was like the next car was gonna be ours. And she was behind us and she was well, she started something.
1: whispering about it first
0: and then yeah, she got louder. Like something about, you know, you need to put that book down, pay attention, da da da. And I'm like there was like five of us with you, like how you? No, she made an insult lost. about. She's like, oh, they
1: they all must be really boring or something like that. If she's reading a book, so, I'm like,
0: yeah. Oh. I didn't even me. realize
1: what was happening until Rita was with us. Remember? Yeah, mm-hmm. and she until she was around started around talking
0: s- shit, yeah, she snapped at her because she's mm-hmm. from, <laughs> from Philly. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, she started talking shit, and then we just so, get in the yeah. car, and she's like, "Go oh, fuck yourself." <laughs> yep oh god. god this is you and reading in vegas man i just when i'm on vacation
1: i randomly read but yeah. with this set of friends i can kind of do that they don't care they know me we were actually yeah. we had to meet two new people and my friend's husband is a lot like me and mm-hmm. we were talking about how technically we were leading the pack they were following behind us and i was like yeah. it looks like we're leading dan but really we're just being introverts and just hanging out with each other and not talking <laughs> and but it looks like we're socializing. <laughs> and then I actually realized I was like, damn, do you realize we, whenever we're in groups, we always end up sitting next to each other? I yeah. think it's because we kind of lean back and we both can be quiet next to each other. Yeah, or we, pretend, or we can pretend, or we can pretend to do small, pretend to do small chat if we need to. Mm-hmm. And then is like da, whatever. Da, da, da. Yeah, <laughs> he's called and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, just be very polite. Like you're opening doors for people. People think you're just really nice. Really, you're just avoiding them." <laughs>
0: You know that's smart, actually. That's really
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, you want to give a book update on um Alexa Riley books? Yes. We have some that are coming out soon. Um, it is a kidnapping trilogy with three brothers. So yes. we're still Shocker. in the process of like <laughs> like covers and names, but be on the lookout for those soon. And I'm um, hoping I'm, I have edits back. I just need to wrap up the cover, so maybe
1: this might be out today but Ooh, i'll okay maybe we'll see because <laughs> this is tuesday it's like maybe okay,
0: we'll yeah see. we'll see um i also meant to tell you I, I, there's like i need to share an ar taboo document with you oh god I know. i'm excited it's so bad it's so bad oh my god it's so bad i can't wait for you to read it <laughs> um anyways so th- so be on the lookout for those soon um as far as like the read me romance book box those should be coming very very soon as well we'll have um we're gonna try to get like um information up about it before they go live so it's not just so last minute so you guys have plenty of time to like see when it's coming see what's in the box that kind of thing excuse me hopefully it looks like it might be by the end of may i think by the time we have everything together when we can post it up so um just be on the lookout for that too and make sure you subscribe to the newsletter because everything will be on there and um you check in with us on social media we will post everything there too
1: i will be telling patreons first that's
0: what i was gonna that was the other thing i wanted to talk about was the patreon too i'm glad you brought it up so, um we actually sent out an email this week and let um, um, a lot of people know about the Patreon. We hope that you see it in other places and not just um, from us. But, uh yeah, make sure you check out our Patreon. It's got, I think there's like 64, 65 there's audiobooks like, on there now. I think there's like 50 or so. I can't remember. It was 60-something. Like it? There's yeah, like I think six, it was like 64, just, 65 no I like, the other day.
1: There's no like... um intro stuff with us it's just you mm-hmm. click on it you see what it says and the page because you go into patreon or whatever mm-hmm. and um you just hit play it'll give you the book bio i give you links if you want to do more in the series there's mm-hmm. ebook free ebooks and well they're not free because you subscribe well but i think ebook. your monthly there.
0: subscription includes yeah. free ebooks and it includes being able to listen to 60 plus audiobooks for, and we keep adding. A, yeah, I think it's like ten dollars a month or something like that, or whatever the tiers are. You can go on there and see which one gets you all the audiobooks. But I mean, for that, it's just it's so cheap to do it. So, and again, like uh, you know, helping um, about subscribing to the podcast, it helps us create more audiobooks. So a hundred percent of it goes back into the podcast. So if you do subscribe, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so Yeah, I got so, excited the
1: other day when I got to do like the first initial one I was like oh my god this is like a an audiobook and a half we got yeah yeah like the first initial payout came through I was like yay I know it was, I was like, awesome I counted in audiobooks I'm like that's one audiobook, yeah. that's <laughs>
0: audiobook. <laughs> you counted it oh, that's so cute you measure in audiobooks now <laughs> um yeah so if you check out the patreon uh go on there and support and like Mel said we're gonna announce their first Um, information about the book box, um, what's inside, uh, where you can get it, all that good stuff. So you can check on there or like I said, subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get it on there, too. So I think that's all of our stuff. Um, And like I said earlier, Gia Bailey is on the podcast this week. So um, I'm going to go through and read like her book bio and her author bio, and then we'll chit chat a little bit about her stuff. Um, Gia Bailey loves to write steamy, sweet, short romances to keep her warm during the cold Scottish nights. All her heroes, from mountain men to billionaires, are possessive, obsessive alpha males who go over the top for the women they fall for. And the heroines? Shy, sweet, smart, ambitious, and everything in between. These ladies always get their happy endings. When not writing, she lives with her own burly Russian mountain man and Ooh. all-knowing four-year-old. And enjoys baking, reading, jumping, and muddle-putting. It's Scotland, so there are lots. Muddle-puddles? I don't know. Muddle-puddles? I don't know what that means. Jumping in.
1: I'm still back at Russian. I know, right? You stopped (laughs) at Russian
0: Mountain Man. You quit listening after (laughs) that. Uh, She enjoys inventing elaborate dream worlds to play in. After all, life is too short for anything other than a happily ever after. Steamy romance, high heat, high emotion, no cheating, no cliffhangers, happily ever after guaranteed. So you can keep up with her um, by following her Facebook page or joining her emails or her newsletter. Um, The book you're about to listen to is called Owned by the Billionaire. It is a perfect lead in to her His Obsession series as it features an over the top bossy obsessed billionaire hero and a snarky smart heroine. Her two series that she's um, leaning into in 2023 are His Obsession and the Billionaire Boys Club, which is getting a 2.0 Vegas edition series. All of them are insta Love, spicy, obsessed heroes with serious money and power and the smart and sexy ladies who catch our eye. So, owned by the billionaire that you're about to listen to, I'll read you the book blurb for that. This bossy billionaire needs rid of one building. This sassy librarian isn't going down without a fight. Oh, my God, I'm in. I know. I was like, did she get this? For- <laughs> the is building is a it's library? Because- Mel, it's you. <laughs> Luke, it was supposed to be a simple acquisition, but the current librarian is making it anything but. It only takes one meeting to help me realize that the building isn't what I want anymore. It's her. Ruby, I'm sick of high-handed bossy men telling me what to do. The billionaire who wants to take my community's last remaining service away isn't going to win today. And if he wants my library he'll have to go through me a prospect that seems more and more appealing by the moment i know i was about to say mm. <laughs> oh he'll have to go through me yeah. <laughs> how about you go through me and then pull out and then do it again <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's that so bad i wonderful. love it i love it all right well, we're gonna go into I guess the whole book. I keep wanting yeah. to say the first installment, but nope. that's so it. The whole We're book. giving
2: you the whole thing, so let's do it. We'll see you guys on the other side. This is Owned by the Billionaire by Gia Bailey. Narrated by Stephanie Kay. One. Ruby. The silk rope felt soft against her wrists, but just tight enough to restrain her. She tested the limits to her freedom as Jax leaned down to study her, his eyes drinking up her excitement. I shifted in my thin office chair, my skin feeling tight and two sizes too small for a moment. The paltry fan turning in the corner did little to cool the hot flash I could feel working through me. Excuse me? A small voice spoke from beyond the desk, and I reluctantly set my book down and glanced over the partition. A scowling teen stood with her arms crossed and foot tapping. Yes? I asked, pushing aside my lustful thoughts and focusing on my job. I really had to stop reading Hot Romance at work. The printer isn't working again, and I've got to print out my homework. The teen Kaylee spoke again. I sighed and pushed back from my desk, rounding it and heading toward the printer in the same route I made at least 100 times a day, almost half of which were for the damn printer. Did you check the paper tray? I asked Kaylee, who rolled her eyes dramatically. We both stood before it and stared at the offending machine. At least 20 years ago, it might have been generously described as a relic. I'll fix it. I told Kaylee, receiving a doubtful look in return. Once she had skulked off to wait for my ineffectual attempts to fix the aged beast of a machine, I checked all the usual places for problems. My mind strayed to my book. It was the end of the first part, and I just knew that the couple were going to sleep together finally. It had been a good long while for me in real life, but I could still vaguely remember how things went. I had been reading it last night at home, a much more appropriate place to indulge in my fantasies, when I'd fallen asleep and only woken up when my alarm blared angrily at me. I'd attempted to read it again on the bus as it worked its way through town this morning, but a minister, of all people, had sat beside me and struck up a conversation. I dropped to my knees on the rough, threadbare carpet of the library, feeling the fibers scratch at my skin immediately and wriggled forward inch by inch. Well, I could hardly claim that anyone had ever boasted that being a librarian was a glamorous position. Still, some days were worse than others. I slid my thick, ill-fitting office skirt up a little to allow a limited, graceless shuffle and advanced on the printer. Excuse me, do you know where I might find Mrs. Crawford? A low, polished voice asked from behind me, just as I had finally managed to wiggle myself into the most unattractive and awkward position under the table to reach behind the copier and flail at the plug. I considered scooting out without achieving my task and then pictured having to crawl back under while my knees were already burning. I continued to search for the plug a moment longer, hoping against hope that the customer would just give me a damn moment. Excuse me, can you hear me? The man continued, and there was no doubt that it was a man. A voice so low and demanding could only belong to a man. I glanced over my shoulder. If you just give me a moment, I'll be right with you. I called in a generally backward direction as I reached forward for the plug my fingertips just brushing it. Tantalizingly close and yet still far, a pair of shoes came into view by my side, brown leather shoes that gleamed impossibly. I'm afraid I can't wait. I'm pressed for time, the man continued. Annoyance shot through me as I let out a long-suffering sigh and started to back out of the space. Well, I'm sure I couldn't possibly cost you one extra precious moment... I was saying as I finally gained freedom from under the desk and looked upwards. The words I had been about to spit at the customer died on my lips as I looked up at the man towering over me. He was dressed in a suit unlike any I'd ever seen before, so sharp it looked like it could cut you if you got too close. Long legs and broad shoulders met my gaze, Basically the body of every hero my feverish imagination had ever cooked up. But if his body was a testament to good genes and disciplined living, his face was a gift. Tanned skin and dark chocolate waves, strong features and a chiseled jaw. Life really could be unfair sometimes, I thought in a daze, as I made sure my mouth was shut. I remained where I was, Kneeling prostrate at the man's feet, my eyes moving over that beautiful face, so I might record it and keep it in my imagination forever. Mrs. Crawford? The vision asked, and his words jolted me to my senses. Lowering my hands to the carpet, I pushed myself up, stifling a groan as I straightened my knees, and cringing as they cracked loudly. Yes, I'm she. She's me. It's Ms. Crawford. I managed to get out while stepping from one foot to the other to bring the blood back. Standing, the man was still a full head taller than me. He was watching me closely, and I colored under his inspection. After a moment, he held out a hand to shake. Ms. Crawford, I'm Luke Yuba. I believe you were expecting me, he said. I continued to stare a moment, racking my brain for an appointment with a Luke Yuba. Maybe it was the proximity to such a ridiculously attractive man, but my memory was failing me. Just at that moment, the printer magically sprang to life and spat out several papers, which cascaded to the floor between us. Glad of the distraction, I bent down and quickly gathered them as Kaylee raced over. Here, don't print anything else until I fix it, I warned the teen who raced off without a word of thanks, and left me alone with the intimidating Luke Yuba again. Sorry, let me just go and check my appointment book, I said, dusting my hands on my skirt and retreating behind the reception desk. I flipped through my appointment book. Luke Yuba had followed and now stood on the opposite side of the desk, watching me through dark chocolate-colored eyes. He was unsettlingly intense, I realized as I found the correct page and skimmed down it. I haven't seen one of those in a while, Luke said. His eyes were on the book in my hand. I know, most people use electronic planners, but technology and I don't exactly get on, I said. And Luke turned to glance at the printer and raised an eyebrow. I gathered as much, he murmured. Finally finding the right page, I scanned down it. Okay, I am supposed to have an appointment with a Ms. Nielsen? I said, relieved my memory wasn't just failing me. That's my secretary, Luke Yuba said. I should say, my former secretary. She quit this morning, he continued. I stared at him, unsure how to respond. Erm, I'm sorry? I offered and received a blank stare in return. Don't be, I'm sure she isn't. Apparently, I'm a beast to work for he said, and I knew I was hallucinating when I heard a new slightly rough note to his voice on the word beast. Well, let's go to the office, I suggested lamely a few moments later. Luke Yuba simply inclined his head toward me and followed as I walked through the library. The small library tucked away in the south side of the city was practically unchanged in the last 30 or so years, and I felt it looked every one of those years as I trailed past the stacks and crowded aisles that were as familiar to me as my own flat. Inside the small office, I rushed to move books from laden surfaces and old coffee cups, the crinkled wrappers of the biscuits my older co workers liked to offer around most afternoons lay on the surfaces, which I cleared into an overflowing bin and finally stepped back and pointed to a chair. Luke Yuba stood in the doorway, bracing one shoulder against the doorframe, his eyes on me and not the office. I'll stand, he said quietly, making me flounder awkwardly in the act of sitting. I plopped down and stared up at him. Please, sit, I said. He simply stood there. It was unsettling. Luke Yuba was extremely unbalancing, I thought again, as I considered how to have a normal conversation when one person was standing over the other. With a sigh, I stood again and leaned a hip against the desk, putting us on a more equal footing. Now, Mr. Yuba, what can I help you with? I asked, slipping into my usual professionally brusque mode. Call me Luke, he stated in a tone that was used to commanding. I wasn't sure why the authoritative demand sent a cascade of warmth across my body. Very well, Luke, I'm Ruby. Now, tell me what brings you here, I asked again softly. His full mouth quirked up at one side at my words. I'm here to buy this building, Ruby he said, and I was distracted from his meaning for a moment by the way his voice rolled over my name. Then his words sunk in, sending me sitting upright in alarm. What? Buy the library? I repeated, my thoughts stuttering to a halt. Luke nodded, stepping into the room and immediately making it feel small. Yes, that's right. I'm here to buy the library and everything in it, including you. Two, Luke. Ruby, Ms. Crawford, blinked at me. Her beautiful, full mouth rounded with an O of surprise, and I wondered what it would feel like to push my finger inside and feel her tongue against me. She was quite simply lovely, Nothing in my afternoon's expectations had prepared me for meeting the most intriguing woman I'd come across in longer than I could remember. Buying the library was just a part of the redevelopment plan of the whole block. My property company were already entering into contracts for the sale. The rest was empty buildings and rundown shops that were desperate for a buyout. The area was dirt poor, And I wasn't the first investor eyeing up the potential profit to be made in the regeneration of such an area, where the prices were relatively low. Well, low for New York City. But that damn library was a sticking point. It was privately owned, strangely enough. Bought off the city 50 years ago, when they'd tried to shut it down. The rich benefactor had left a trust for its running, and so it had struggled on. Legal was currently looking for a way around it, and I was just dropping by to see what I was dealing with. See what this thorn in my side looked like. And then, Ruby Crawford had blazed into my life. She fit like a piece I hadn't known was missing. Excuse me? What did you say? She asked, frowning at me. A little line ran down her smooth brow. I felt like I was a teenager again, being chastised for having my books out too long. I'm not going to lie. It was hot. I have acquired the building, the whole block, actually, and am turning it into a residential development. She simply stared at me with that cute frown, like I was speaking a foreign language to her. Are you okay? I asked at length when it seemed like her spell of speechlessness wasn't going to pass. No, I think I'm having a nightmare, but I can't seem to wake up, she said faintly. Unfortunately for you, this is extremely real, as was my attraction to this pretty little librarian. Hey, is the printer getting fixed or what? An irritating teen appeared in the doorway. Ruby jerked her head toward her the interruption shocking her from her stasis. I'll be there in a minute. You're busy. This is rather an important meeting, I said, strangely annoyed at her focus being taken from me. She smiled at the kid and turned back to me. Her shocked look had melted as she straightened her shoulders and angled her chin in an obstinate challenge. I wanted to grip that pretty little point and kiss her. Mr. Yuba, You might think this is an important meeting, but I rather think it's a waste of time. The library is held in a trust, and don't think you aren't the first money-hungry billionaire who thought he could override that special accommodation and tear it down. You aren't, and you won't be the last either, she said, her voice rising as she stepped closer to me, tempting me to grab her with every small step. Sexy librarian with prim and proper clothes hiding a beautiful curvy body? Check. Fiery attitude and hellcat temper? Double check. Ms. Crawford was really ticking all my boxes. I'm afraid I will be, seeing as when I start something, I always finish it. Well, I suppose this will be a learning experience for you, she said smartly. Holding her arms and giving me a sugar sweet smile. I'm sorry, Ruby, was it? I started, deciding to take a different tack. Miss Crawford, she corrected immediately. Miss Crawford, forgive me for delivering such bad news so abruptly. Of course, it is always upsetting to know you have to find a new position. However, I happen to personally know the head of HR over at I'm not interested in your name dropping or implication that you could get me a better job if I just shut my mouth and meekly go along with your Scrooge type plans. Scrooge type plans? Yeah, you know the man. Rich, mean, and like to put innocent children out of their only warm, safe refuge. If you need to borrow the book, I suggest you try 18th century literature, stack three. She snapped. I didn't quite know what to say to that, but I couldn't help a slow grin spread over my mouth. I had to admit, Ruby, Ms. Crawford, was turning out to be a very entertaining woman. Gorgeous, sweet, and smart to boot. What wasn't to like? Thanks for the tip, but I usually just get my books online. I said with a smirk. She narrowed her eyes at me. Now, I don't know whether to comfort you or throw holy water at you, she muttered as she turned away and looked out the large picture window that showcased the library main floor. I get the holy water bit, but the comfort bit lost me, I admitted. Ruby stared out at the scene. What do you see when you look out there? Ruby asked me suddenly. I saw kids running amok, hiding out from home, and old people who just wanted a place to eat their ham sandwiches, a stop off on the way to the park. I saw a huge, beautiful building that wasn't seeing its potential, and real estate that could be making someone very rich. A failing private business that loses money, I settled for. Ruby's pretty mouth curved in a rueful smile. That's why you need comforting, Mr. Yubaugh you don't see the magic of a library. The worlds that exist between these stacks, the magic waiting to be felt. I see kids that can't go home having a place that's safe. I see older people getting the only interaction they can, finding someone to chat to, even for a moment, to stave off loneliness. I see moms who needed to get out the house for one goddamn hour or go crazy. There's such a thing as a coffee shop, I said dryly. Not everyone has the budget for a daily coffee, but everyone can come here for free. That is the power of a library, and this area only has this one. If you take it away, what will happen to these people, she asked. I swallowed a tight knot in my throat. Her points were compelling, I'd give her that. She made a compelling argument, and if I'd been a softer, kinder person, less jaded perhaps, it might have moved me. But I could only be myself, and I'd long ago forgotten how to care about anything other than the bottom line. If every developer thought like that, nothing new would ever get built, I said flatly. She held my gaze a long moment, and I had the feeling that she was disappointed in my response. It was oddly uncomfortable to endure. Well, Mr. Eubaw, if you're done here crushing hopes and dreams, maybe you'd let me get back to my day? Her voice was brisk. She was done with me. Of course, I'll be in touch regarding the developments, I told her, leaving the office. Ruby nodded at me and then simply turned and walked away. I couldn't remember the last time someone had dismissed me quite so thoroughly. It was disconcerting. It was downright annoying. I'm looking forward to it, she said, turning to throw me a sweet and highly fake smile before joining the lingering gang of freeloading misfits that seemed to have finally realized that something was up with their queen, the librarian with the most attitude and hottest body I'd ever seen. Something had to be done about this library. That much was obvious. However. It seemed that something would have to be done about Ruby Crawford, too. The latter excited me far more. Three. Ruby. After a perfectly wretched night of crying in the bath, drinking a whole bottle of red wine, and falling asleep over my laptop, searching for ways to block Luke Yuba's evil plans, I composed myself over a porridge breakfast and strong tea. When in doubt, revert back to the great librarians of old, my grandmother namely, who had believed wholeheartedly in the restorative power of a strong cup of tea. Thus, calmed and prepared, I made it to the library and all the way up the wet and slippery stairs to the first floor before all that preparation went to hell. There were contractors on the library floor, my library floor. Men in hard hats, holding plans with electrical units that beeped when they touched the walls and tool belts, the whole nine yards. Funny day today, isn't it? Old Mrs. Richards remarked to me, shuffling over, holding her latest Harlequin novel protectively, as though the men might have come to take it from her. I don't even know how she got in. We weren't supposed to be open yet. Yes, it's for renovations, I improvised quickly, ushering the older lady away from a man walking past, carrying a huge sledgehammer. Panic clawed up my throat. Have you seen a man in a suit here? I asked Mrs. Richards, whose eyes immediately crinkled naughtily. Have I ever? He's like one of the men from my stories. He's in your office, last I saw. I was off in the direction of my office before I could stop myself. I hurled through the door and saw Luke Yuba in all his bossy, hateful, devastatingly sexy glory. What do you think you're doing? I demanded. Luke straightened up, looking away from the set of blueprints that were spread over my desk. Ah, Miss Crawford. Good to see you. I wasn't aware you kept part-time hours, he said. I folded my arms over my chest to stop myself from flipping him off. It's 7.30 in the morning, I ground out. Yes, and one of your patrons was waiting at the door when I got there. Not great service, if you ask me, Luke said, and his smirk was so infuriating. I wanted to tear someone's hair out, his preferably. I don't know who you think you are, I started, stepping closer to him. God, he even smelled good. He was looking down at me with a dark, indulgent look, and I had the sudden impression he was finding the whole thing amusing. It was enough to make my fragile patience snap. The new owner of this building. But you can't just come in here and destroy everything I've worked so hard to build. I won't let you. I almost shouted. I felt my breasts brush against his jacket and suddenly realized how very close we were standing. Very close, indeed. I had stepped up to him and he had reciprocated, it seemed. Now we were toe to toe and the proximity was making me oddly breathless. Fuck, you're stunning when you're angry. Did you know that, Ruby? Absolutely ravishing, he murmured. His surprising words froze me, sent my heart rate even higher than I'd thought possible. Heat flushed over my skin and I felt a confusing, writhing sort of desperate, greedy desire spring to life inside me like a rag doused in gasoline touching a match. I'd like to bend you over that desk and fuck you right here. I'd like to do that more than I'd like to tear down this safety hazard of a building. Luke murmured. What? I asked numbly. My tongue felt thick in my throat. My breath felt like an unpleasant rasp moving in and out of my lungs. His hands came up to my waist and I realized I had swayed. The sudden rush of blood to other parts of my body had made me dizzy. You heard me, sweetheart, Luke muttered. His voice was deep and guttural. It made my nipples harden as though they had been rubbed with ice. I, I don't understand, I settled for. Words were too much to manage at this point. More than holding myself upright and staring up at Luke Yuba's face was too much to manage at the moment. I'd short-circuited, blown a fuse. I needed rebooting, and I had no idea how to do it. As though he had heard my thoughts, Luke's stubbled mouth curved into a wicked grin. Let me explain it to you another way, he murmured and leaned down and kissed me. I jerked with surprise, but his hands held me tightly. His lips moved over mine with sinful slowness, carefully sweeping me away, stealing my breath, begging for entry into my mouth. It was every kiss I'd read about at home in bed, Lonely and unsatisfied. It was every book boyfriend crush times a thousand. He paused, breaking the pleasure for a moment. Tell me to stop and I will, he muttered thickly. But I was already reaching for a suit jacket and bringing his face back to mine. I hadn't waited so long to have a perfect, hotter than hell kiss, just to do it for a second. I wanted minutes of this perfect feeling. I wanted ours. He growled with a sense of victory that only turned me on more as I opened my lips and he swept inside. He kissed me thoroughly, sliding his wet tongue against mine in a carnal, suggestive movement that made me wet and needy. I wanted to feel that tongue in other places. I wanted to ride that tongue His hands slid into my hair and bent my head back further to accommodate his height. He towered over me, dominated me, and yet, I felt safe and precious. Fuck, how is this even better than I imagined? He murmured, finally pulling back just as I was about to start rubbing myself up and down against him, like a cat at tea time. Imagined? I did plenty imagining last night, sweetheart. You, this desk, and making you moan my name. Did you imagine anything about me? He pressed, and the loss of his kiss let reality filter back through the haze of my lust. I nodded, desperately trying to collect my scattered thoughts. Yes, I imagined you'd lose interest in this building and go away forever, or, failing that, have an accident. I murmured. Luke stepped back and let out a bark of laughter. He looked almost comically surprised by the sound for a moment. Ruby Crawford, you're one in a million, he mused, rubbing a thumb down my cheek before I turned my face away. I was back to myself, albeit with wet panties and a scorching memory. What are you doing here? You can't have dissolved the trust and gotten permission already, I accused folding my arms to try and present a professional facade of some kind, but Luke's warm eyes told me that it wasn't working. Actually, sweetheart, I have. The trust was due to lapse any time. Didn't you know that? He asked. I swallowed the lump of fear and disappointment in my throat. I shrugged, avoiding his eyes. Ah, so you did know. That little front you put on yesterday was just that. Why bother, Ruby? Surely you guessed I would do my legal due diligence, he said softly. I felt tears spring up behind my lids. I could never keep tears back, and they would threaten me at the slightest thing. Books, movies, a particularly moving advert on TV. I shrugged again. I didn't want to think about it, I confessed. It sounded so lame now. Burying my head in the sand was my tactic to deal with lots of things I didn't want to in life. Being single, never dating, and yet wanting a family more than I could stand was a perfect example. Wanting to meet someone nice and working at a job all day where the only people I met were kids, seniors, and harassed moms was another. Now I could add having the hottest kiss with a man who was here to destroy my world to the mix. Luke surprised me by touching my face again. He ran his finger down my cheek where a lone tear had escaped. Don't cry. I can't stand to see it. It'll work out, Ruby. You'll see. It won't be as bad as you think, he said. I pulled my face away. Resolve building inside me as I stared at him. I didn't need some billionaire's pity, and I certainly didn't need his empty promises. Yeah, you're right. I said, stepping back and truly collecting myself. Because I won't go down without a fight, I told him forcefully. He laughed again, seeming to think I was joking until he took in my serious expression. Sweetheart, it's already done. There's nothing you can do, he started. There's always something you can do. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get to work. Four, Luke. I watched Ruby working away in the library for an hour before I had to leave. My schedule didn't exactly allow for hanging around a soon-to-be-demolished building, watching the most fascinating woman I'd ever met shoot daggers at me at every chance, but I could hardly pull myself away. That kiss, the thought alone was enough to make me hard again. Just the memory of her touch, the taste of her lips, her sweet sound of surrender when she'd burrowed against my chest made my ribs feel tight and my heart pound. I'd known at that moment that burrowed against my chest was exactly where Ruby Crawford belonged. She was made for me. She fitted me like no one else, and I wouldn't rest until she realized it. I'd thought, coming into this project, that all I'd be leaving with was a cool seven billion on the finished result. Now I knew better. I'd be leaving with a wife. I rushed through meetings at the building my company was based in downtown, a glass skyscraper that might as well have been on another planet compared to the rundown building that Ruby worked in. I hated the thought of her going up and down those slippery stairs or climbing the rickety ladder she used to reach the top shelves. That place had to come down. There were no two ways about it. However, it did dawn on me that the best way to please the woman I planned on keeping by my side forevermore might not be to tear down the place she dearly loved. I beeped my secretary. Get Matt on the line. I need to change the blueprints. I traveled back to the library in a whirlwind of plans, enthusiasm, and excitement. Those feelings collided in my chest as my town car pulled up just short of the library block. What's wrong? I asked the driver. The road is closed ahead, sir, he replied. Okay, I'm walking the rest, I told him briskly. I was hardly able to wait to get back there and talk to the little firecracker librarian who had filled my every thought for the last 48 hours. I jumped out of the car and walked along the street, dodging other pedestrians. It was busy out, far busier than normal in such a run-down area. As I grew closer, I hit a wall of people, and that's when I heard it. No regeneration in our neighborhood. Keep Southside alive. A crystal clear voice called over a loudspeaker. I pushed through the crowd and saw her in all her glory. Ruby stood on the steps of the library, a loudspeaker in one hand surrounded by protest signs, and hundreds of people were standing in front of the building, cheering her on. I saw a local news crew assembling their equipment nearby, and plenty of people taking photos and videos. I was shocked, annoyed, and I can't deny it, turned on. Ruby had promised to fight, and she was doing it. I wanted to capture that spark and keep it all for myself. She was smart and dedicated. If she cared this much for a community center like the library, I could only imagine what kind of wife and mother she would be. And she would be once she was mine. I barged through the crowd, and Ruby saw me. She raised the loudspeaker. Here's the billionaire who wants to take away the last community project in our neighborhood she exclaimed, and a hundred people turned toward me and started to boo. This was not how I had envisaged seeing Ruby again. I reached her side, pushing up the stairs. Ms. Crawford, a word. I ground out over the sound of the crowd booing my name. She folded her arms over her chest. Anything you want to say to me, you can say it out here, she said, and gestured to the waiting people. In front of my community. I think not. Shall I kiss you again in front of them this time and see if you'd like to share all of our interactions? I goaded her, and she scowled at me. Fine, let's go inside, she snapped, and handed the loudspeaker to the old woman I had let inside the library this morning. Oh Yes, that's right, Ruby. You give him what for, and don't let that devil charm you. The older lady suddenly gripped my hand in a cool, bony grip. I thought you were the hero of the story, but it turned out you're the villain, she said, looking at me with a stricken expression. I didn't quite know how to respond to that, so I simply turned and followed Ruby inside. Five. Ruby. I locked the door behind us and felt like Luke was breathing down my neck. Why are you locking us in? Do you have something much more fun planned than I'd expected? He murmured. I wanted to slap him. How could he be so blasé at a time like this? I don't want an angry mob to tear you apart. At least, not yet. And not inside the library. The carpet is stained enough, I said with saccharine sweetness. Good to know, Luke murmured as he followed me upstairs. We went to my office, and as soon as I walked in, the desk called to me. I remembered our kiss and the hot and electric feeling between us that had obliterated all other thoughts. What do you want to say? I asked, pulling my phone from my jacket pocket. I looked through my notifications and smiled. What is it? Luke asked, watching me with a rapt expression. You, Boss Scrooge, is trending, I told him. He let out a noise of frustration and crossed the room to me. You couldn't have waited one day to rile the whole neighborhood up about me and cause a scandal, he demanded. Why should I wait? You're the one bringing men in here to size it up. See how it can be best divided into parts for profit. How did you sleep last night, knowing you were doing something so immoral? I slept like shit thanks to you. He had backed me against the desk, and now, as my legs met the hardwood, I stopped my unintentional retreat and stood my ground, tilting my chin up at him in a challenge. You mean thanks to your conscience? No, Ruby. Delicious, maddening, beautiful Ruby. I mean I slept like shit because of you and your smart mouth and this knockout body that I just wanted to get my hands on. His words thrilled me. I couldn't deny I felt it too. All the frustration and need I heard in his tone, I felt it mirrored inside me. He pushed against me, pressing me into the table. I felt his hard-on long and thick, laying up his stomach and digging into mine. My mind blanked at the feel, It had been an extremely long time since I'd felt a dick, clothed or otherwise. I mean, a real one, and not one of the rubber variety that I housed in my bedside table at home. The feeling made my mouth dry and pussy clench. I slept like shit because all I could think about was taking you, fucking you so hard, you screamed my name when I came inside you. All I could think about was having all that lovely, fierce protectiveness directed on my behalf instead of at me, of making you mine, sweetheart, he said, finally touching me with his hands. He lifted me onto the table as I stared at him in shock. Yours? I repeated. Luke pushed my legs wider, sliding my pencil skirt higher up my thighs, and stepped between them. Mine. I knew when I saw you yesterday, sweetheart. You're the woman I've been waiting my whole life to meet, and you can't tell me you don't feel it too. I know you do. He breathed against my skin as he bent my head right back, exposing my throat and making me helpless under his hands. He towered over me, dwarfed me, but his words lifted me, His words fit perfectly into the places inside me that had been turned around and shaken by meeting him. But the library... I started, my confused thoughts jumbled by desire and the heart-trembling waves of emotion too strong and scary to name. I don't care about the library. You decide what to do with it. I made new blueprints, something safe. I didn't let him get further. I pulled his head down to mine and kissed him. The insane attraction between us, the chemistry that had burst into being upon our meeting. I could finally let it ravage me because he wasn't a monster. He wasn't just a cold-blooded Wall Street shark who would stop at nothing or care about no one except money. He was more than that. And it was enough to give in to the raging desire inside. 6. Luke. I had to have Ruby, and I had to have her now. I was staking my claim on this woman, and no one better try and stop me. I pressed myself, hard and desperate, between the cradle of her hips, and slid my hardness up and down her there. She moaned in my mouth. I wanted to swallow her whole. I stripped off my suit jacket, sending it flying across the room, and pulled my shirt thoughtlessly apart, buttons scattered into corners of the small office. I was wild with need, urgent with desire. My mouth broke the hottest kiss of my life to urge her silky pussybow shirt over her head, revealing her pretty breasts, wrapped up in creamy lace like a fucking Christmas treat. I palmed one, squeezing the full, heavy globe, and pinched her nipple. Ruby arched her back, pressing her breasts forward into my hands, begging to be touched and worshipped, and I was more than happy to oblige. These tits, these are mine now, sweetheart. I ground out as I pulled the cups down just enough for her puffy nipples to escape, and I leaned down and latched my mouth around one juicy bud. She cried out, her fingers tangling in my hair. She pulled at it, directing my head, and I loved every moment of it. My bossy, strict little librarian was going to purr for me. I moved to the other one, lathing with my tongue, biting and rolling the hard nipple between my teeth, until my sweet girl was rocking her hips and panting. Delicious, I pronounced as I leaned up and recaptured her mouth. My hands went to her skirt and pushed it up to bunch at her waist. She was wearing a lacy scrap of panties. I found out I was capable of becoming even harder, something that had seemed impossible only a moment ago. My, my. What are these sexy little panties doing at work? Under that prissy skirt, you were hiding this little treat, I muttered as I stroked my fingers over the damp material. Do you always wear these naughty, pretty little things? I asked her, my fingers sliding around the side of the elastic and touching her trembling skin for the first time. I stroked through her curls and felt her folds, already so wet and desperate. She shook her head, biting a full, swollen bottom lip with a wicked glint to her eyes. Did you think of me when you put them on? I demanded, taking my fingers from her pussy and slowly and deliberately tasting them, licking her juices off my fingers. She nodded again. Maybe you thought about me coming back here and finding you bent over the card catalog, helpless, or maybe unjamming the printer again. I'd help you by pressing myself up against you, I continued, as I stuck my fingers back down the front of her panties and started to circle her clit. I pushed her legs wider, spreading her out on the desk, all the while rubbing at her clit. As she started to move up and down against my hand, her head falling back and her elbows scattering pens and books on the desk. You'd ask me to please fuck you and fill you up, and I'd slide your skirt up, push your panties aside, and sink home. Ruby tensed, her whole body clenching hard as she came. Wetness coated my fingers, getting her ready for me, and she moaned and gasped her way through it. As I eased her down from her high, I was caught by the look on her face, The one of sheer abandon and pleasure. I wanted to see it every day for forever. It was my new favorite thing. My hand went to the front of my pants, and I unzipped my cock, working the sharp zipper carefully over the turgid flesh. I'd never been so hard before. I'd never been so turned on. I'm on the pill. Ruby said quickly as I let my trousers fall to my ankles, and she reached down to tug my boxers down too. My cock slapped up against my belly. Ruby's eyes widened. Well, Mr. Yuba, I suppose I can see why you're so cocky now, she teased, making me smile. Her words were destroying me. She wanted me bare inside her. The thought was going to ensure that this lasted a whole lot less time than I wanted. But it didn't matter. It was only the first time. The first fuck of the rest of our lives. The first day of the rest of our lives. Together. I brought my dick to her pussy and started to push inside. It was a tight fit. Extremely tight. Her cunt gripped me as though it was trying to push me out. Her body was just as argumentative as Ruby herself. I pushed in deeper, fighting those lithe muscles, as Ruby grabbed my bare ass with her hands and squeezed, impaling herself on me. Fuck, it's too tight, I muttered against her shoulder. Yeah, it's been a good few years. She sighed dreamily. Years? Why are you on the pill? I wondered aloud trying to take the focus off my dick and the indescribable pleasure building in my balls. Optimism, Ruby said, making me laugh. All pretense at cool collapsed as I kissed her and grinned. You're one in a million, Ruby Crawford. You're all right yourself, she breathed, as I slid out and then back in one long, smooth plunge. Her hands scrabbled for purchase on the edge of the desk as I started to fuck in and out of her harder. Good to know, sweetheart. Now I'm going to make you scream so hard, everyone knows that this pussy is mine only from now on. I'm going to fuck you so well, you can't even think of being with another man again, I promised. A vicious feeling of possession filling me as I looked down at Ruby, spread below me on the desk. She was my woman mine. It might be too late for that already, she admitted. Hell yeah it is, I agreed and started to fuck her in earnest. The table was ancient, a heavy looking wood monstrosity that it would take ten men to move, yet it bore my ruthless fucking well. It held Ruby at just the right height, just the right angle, and I decided then and there I was having it moved to my study at home. I pounded into Ruby as she collapsed into a lying position, legs open and in the air. I took her ankles and guided them around my neck, taking the strain off her and lowered my hand to her clit. I started to rub her there as I fucked her hard. Luke, I'm going to come, she said, looking up at me with an almost fearful expression. I could understand it. I didn't quite know what to expect from the blinding orgasm I felt building inside me. I had no idea how to handle the pleasure of fucking Ruby, and the pleasure of knowing that she was mine, and I was claiming her at the same time. That we wouldn't be parted from now on. I groaned as I felt her muscles start to tense. Luke, I'm coming, I'm coming, she sobbed her chest rising and falling and face creasing into euphoric pleasure. Come, sweetheart, I'm here, I'm here with you, I said with a growl, as my balls drew up and I started to spurt inside her. I leaned down and kissed her, pushed as far inside her as I could get, while her tight pussy milked my cock of every single drop of cum. She was trembling spasms of pleasure seizing her body, and I could even admit my knees felt weak. I leaned against the desk, careful to keep my weight off her, and let out a long, endless sigh of contentment. Silence surged softly in the aftermath of the gasps and groans and heavy breathing. What now? Ruby asked. I wondered if she meant between us or with the library. It didn't matter anyway. They were one and the same. Ruby was mine, and my calling was to make her happy. Everything else was background noise. We go and tell everyone the happy news, I said, my voice hoarse and worn as I kissed her forehead and pushed myself up. Pulling gently out of her on a rush of cum, I helped Ruby sit and felt a twinge of lust at the side of her skirt bunched around her waist, her breasts well sucked and pink, hair tousled, and a contented look on her face. I could see the evidence of both of us on the tops of her thighs. But first, I might need help locating a book or two over in Stack 3, wasn't it? I murmured, and Ruby's eyes widened at my rapidly hardening cock. Well, sir, I'll just see if there's a librarian to help with that, she murmured giving me a wicked smile. Epilogue Ruby We did announce that the library wouldn't be destroyed, but renovated in the end, and the protest fizzled out, but I wouldn't forget the way the community had come together so quickly and so urgently. The south side neighborhood I lived and worked in had seen tough times and it had pulled through and it made my heart happy to see how much the community loved the library and their neighbors. What the area really needed was a little TLC and thanks to a certain billionaire, several charitable donations were made to reopen the senior center and kids after school youth programs. The library was torn down in the end. It had too much structural damage and, worryingly, a whole lot of asbestos in the walls. In its place sat a beautiful new apartment building that almost took up an entire city block. Inside, nice apartments and coffee shops sat side by side with community art galleries and parents' play cafes with subsidized rates. The best part, the crown jewel, was a state-of-the-art library sitting right in the heart of the building. It had huge seating areas and great technology, all free to use. It had game areas and places for speakers and volunteers to give community classes. It also had a very strict and extremely pregnant librarian. Miss Ruby, the printer is jammed again, Kaylee said, coming to hang beside my desk. She'd really shot up, this little girl who'd always hidden out in the library over going home. Now, at almost 17, she was going to be free to decide what to do with her life. Well, you know I can't get on the floor and back up anymore. Can you fix it? I asked her. Nothing really broke around here anymore, and besides, there were plenty of assistants to help. Yet Kaylee always lingered at my elbow. I guess I could, but what will you pay me for it? She asked, sticking out her chin in an expression that reminded me way too much of myself. Well, now, I don't know. I don't think I can pay just anyone, but maybe an intern, I suggested. Kaylee's eyes lit up, even as she struggled to keep her cool. Internship could be cool, for experience and all that, she said. I let her go, with her excitement already showing through, as a familiar shadow darkened my office doorway. Mrs. Yuba, I've come to take you home, sweetheart. You've been on your feet all day. Luke's voice was concerned. I swear the man was more precious about this pregnancy than I was. Well, maybe we should get something more comfortable to sit on, I suggested, struggling out of my office chair. We could put beanbag chairs and other nursing stuff over in the kids' corner for the women who have a little one, though we might need someone to give people a hand up out of beanbag chairs, I muttered as I let Luke take me out the office and down through the glass-walled hall of the library. Got it. Comfy, cozy maternity area and a new employee whose job it is to pull you up from beanbag chairs, he teased as we went slowly down the stairs. I laughed at the image of Luke hiring someone for such a position, mostly because he really would. As we reached the bottom, Luke smiled at me. What's funny? Don't you know there's nothing I wouldn't do for you? He asked me gently. I looked around at this building he'd created and the community he had brought back to life. For me. And because deep down, he wasn't just a soulless exec. He had a heart, after all. And I'd felt it beat. The rhythm sounded like my name. The end. This has been Owned by the Billionaire by Gia Bailey. Narrated by Stephanie K. Welcome, welcome back. Hello.
0: And the end. <laughs> thank you so much, Gia Bailey, for bringing us this awesome book, Owned by the Billionaire. I can't wait like, to listen to it I like, because we recorded it beforehand. I'm so excited to listen. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, come back anytime. Bring us all the books. This is great. But, everything will be in the show notes for you guys. Yes. Well. Everything we talked about is all in the show notes, like giveaway information, more books from Gia Bailey, everything. You know down in the show notes. Also, um, check us out on Instagram or Facebook, and you can join us in our Facebook group, Ruby My Romance Headquarters, where we discuss all things romance. Up next week, I believe we have Lucy Eden. So, nice. Be on the lookout for that. <laughs> so that'll yeah, be nice exciting. lineup. I know, I know. So we have Lucy Eden, and then we're off for a week. We have like a random break in between just to catch up on stuff and admin stuff. Being on vacation is nice. But it's not really like we come back from vacation and it's like we still have to catch up on work. Yeah. So this is sort of like an in-between work from home situation. Because so, yeah. Yeah. we, did, so we this, went on
1: vacation at mm-hmm. like different times, like three days apart. Oh,
0: my God. Seriously. It, just it was hit. like three weeks of just no. I looked at my calendar for my word count and it was like three weeks of zero words. I was oh, like, oh, this is bad. Like, fuck April, right? I know. <laughs> So yeah, so after that we have Honey Phillips, then Leslie Pike, then we've got um Laura Kinsley, Kim Lorraine. Oh my god, we I like I'm looking at everybody that's turned their stuff in. Lacey Thorne. Everybody's been so oh, good about Lacey it. Thorne yeah i know i'm so excited like she turned her stuff in early too we're actually booked out through the end of the year like we don't have anything open until february of next year now so it's kind of exciting that we had so many people that were excited about it and it's just awesome i love this podcast i love it so yay tell them what to do fuck your day up make today your bitch don't be a dick bye guys bye